Thank you for joining us for this recent message from Freedom Ministries in Crossit, Arkansas. Connect with us online at freedomministriescrossit.com and let us know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Now prepare your heart to hear a word that we pray will bless your life. But over the past five years, I have um, consistently tried to attack this spirit of religion that comes and sits on us at Christmas time. We like to think of Jesus like sweet little Jesus at Christmas time. Nice, sweet, churchy Jesus. And there's a book called. Uh, I don't know the pastor, who, I don't know the person who wrote it. I just know the book, and the book was fantastic. So if you don't like him, I apologize in advance. I just love the book. Um, there's a book called The Barbarian Way that is um, one of the greatest revelations of who Jesus is that I have ever experienced. And it just punches in the mouth this sweet, churchy version of Jesus that we like to preach about, especially at Christmas time. He came to destroy the work of the enemy. Jesus would show up to parties and wreck them. He would walk into church and turn things over, get a whip and chase people around. Jesus was not a sweet pretty man. He actually said that you're blessed if you just don't get offended over me. It's good. You'll be blessed and you can come into the kingdom of God if you just don't get offended over me. Now we get offended about a lot of things in church, but if Jesus hasn't offended us, then I don't think we're preaching the real Jesus because Jesus was an offensive man. He bothered you, messed with you, got up under your skin. And if you tried to be churchy and religious on him one time, then you was in his crosshairs. He was coming after the spirit of religion in you. He didn't mind going up to preachers in the church and calling them whitewashed tombs and a den of snakes. Full of dead men's bones. He didn't mind it. And so <clears throat> when Christmas rolls around and, and you start seeing these cute little signs in front of churches and all the cute little things, I get so angry at the spirit of religion that wants to sit on us when I want to celebrate the fact that Jesus came into the world for me to rescue me from a bondage that I could never break free from to wage war against the enemy of my soul for me when I was not able to do it, when I didn't even see straight enough to figure my way out of sin. He came to wage war for me. Hallelujah. In Romans 8.29, it says, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. (laughs) 
And when we can understand this scripture, we can understand the magnitude of what the birth of Jesus meant for us. Not even that my sins could be forgiven. It was so that if Jesus could lay down his life and redeem us, that he, the nature of who Jesus was, could be imparted into us and we could be conformed into his nature and into his image. And he would be the firstborn among many brethren, among many of us. Many of us would take on his nature. Elder Robert was just talking about the greatness and the magnitude and the bigness of the universe that God created. God is extravagant. And so when he said you, he's going to impart the nature of Jesus, that he was meant to be only the firstborn. And that when I become born again, I'm conformed into his image and I take on his nature. God's plan was to shift all of nature back to the place where we were in the Garden of Eden, where I am in oneness and relationship with him. It was the most radical thing that happened on planet Earth since creation itself. That I could be transformed from a sinful state, a place where God was an enemy of me, and into a place where I'm not just saved, not just redeemed, not just forgiven, but conformed into His image. When I take on the nature of Jesus, because He's the firstborn among many brethren, and I become just like Him because I'm His brother. I have His DNA. Right? I'm born into this same family. Then I take on his nature. What is the nature of Jesus? Holy, love, miracles, signs, wonders, all power, all authority over the enemy and over the planet itself. Healing is in the nature of Jesus. Prosperity is in the nature of Jesus. This man was so prosperous that his taxes came due. And he just went and found a fish with some gold in its mouth. Oh, I'll pay my taxes. That's the perfect way to pay taxes. Some of y'all, if anybody's self-employed here, you'll know what I'm talking about because we got to pay our taxes. They don't hold it out of our paycheck. And it hurts bad. I want to go fishing and find (laughs) find me a fish with my taxes in there. Amen? It hurts to to pay your taxes. Jesus, this man was so prosperous, he had options when 20,000 people got hungry. He said, well, do we want to pay for some food for 20,000 people? No, I can just make a miracle happen and make food for everybody. That's fine, too. We'll keep our money that way. Jesus was prosperous. He worked miracles. He was provision itself. And I take on his nature. And we, Christmas is the day. When he came to earth to make me one of the brethren that he was the firstborn of, that I can take on that nature. I am not limited. Hallelujah. I'm getting ahead of myself. I got another scripture to read. Hallelujah. Romans 8, verse 2. Says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, 
God did by sending his own son. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So I don't walk after the flesh now because Jesus came and was born. He left glory. He was born into this flesh sack that we live in that's full of sin and nastiness. Left it all. Became one of us. So that he could condemn sin in the flesh. What does that mean? That means that he's perfect. And even in the flesh, he can condemn sin. Even in the flesh, he can say sin is sin. And when I take on his new nature... I am transformed into the same nature of Jesus that I, so that I, walk, I don't walk after the Spirit. I, I don't walk after the flesh, but now I walk after the Spirit. And as I'm in the Spirit, I can also condemn sin in the flesh and say sin is sin. Flesh, quit sinning. Die. Die to yourself. <clears throat> when we can grasp how extravagant the love of God is for us. That he would. That he would send his son who was perfect. There's some wonderful people in the world that I would not give my son for. But he gave his son for the worst of the worst. And he sent him knowing, knowing how he was going to be treated, mistreated. Killed, crucified, spit on, talked about. That he would find us worth endangering the life of his only son. His, we get so wrapped up in I'm not good enough for God. How much better can you be in his eyes? How much better could you be in his eyes that he would send his son? His only son who was perfect and blameless and loving and wonderful and prophetic and godly and holy and, per and just everything. Everything you could ever want. His only son. Send him to die. To take on sin upon himself. To be mistreated by these horrible, horrible little creatures that he made us, who the first chance we had an opportunity, we turned on him. First chance. And it's not like he hadn't dealt with us a long time. He dealt with us throughout the whole Old Testament. And he knew we were dumb Hopeless and lost. And so he said, you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm going to keep on. They're still worth it. They are still worth it. They're worth it, Jesus. And Jesus says, yes, they're worth it. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the earth because they're worth it. There's not one of you that's not worth it. There's not one of you that's too bad because he said you're good enough. You're worth my love. You're worth my affection. You're worth my attention. And you're worth my life. In John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing that was, was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Skip down to verse 11. It says, He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus' birth was the first supernatural birth on earth that allowed us to also be not born of flesh, not born out of the will of man, not born because somebody wanted a baby, but born as children of God, reborn into the same nature. How can we say I'm not good enough when He loved me that much? And then how can I say I'm not good enough when I have taken on His nature? Which by definition is good enough. It's powerful enough. It's strong enough. It's holy enough. It's great enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The purpose of Jesus being born was so that I can also be born as a child of God and not just be the pretty little Christians sitting in pretty little churches preaching pretty little Jesus, but Christians who are born as children of God who take on the power, the nature of Jesus Christ Himself. Because when I was born again, I was born after the firstborn among many brethren, and I took on His nature, I took on His persona, I took on the heart of God that was in Him, I took on His supernatural ability because it's no no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And in that nature is all that I need to overcome anything. In that nature, that's why he said, listen, if you would just speak to that mountain, it would be removed because creation responds to the voice of its creator. Hallelujah. When I take on his nature, I can speak and I can say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And it's not Casey Peterson. Little punk who got born in North Louisiana and lives in Little Cross in Arkansas. That's not the one who's speaking. It's the nature of Jesus Christ. Creation responds to the voice of its creator. And so we have this, because we're churchy, we have this mentality that to serve God is to be limited. Right? That's what I'm told. I can't do this. I can't do that. These are the things. Okay, I want to be a Christian. And in return for having a clean conscience, I'm going to give up drinking, smoking, cussing, watching pornography, um, cheating on my spouse, um, premarital sex, what, we can go on with a long list of all the things we're not supposed to do. Talking about people, that one we let ourselves by with, but, I mean, we know we're not supposed to. 
all the things. And so I take on this mentality that to serve God means that I have limited myself. I've limited who I actually want to be. I've limited myself in some way. God places us in a box of things that He allows. But listen, Elder Robert was just talking about how tiny of a speck the earth is. God was so concerned with His creation, not ever having any limitations, that He created, all He had to do was create the sun and the moon and the, and the earth. That was it. You know, you can only see about 10,000 stars in the skies, all that we can actually see with our naked eye. He could have made 10,000 stars if he wanted some stars and been done with it. But he created an entire universe. There's over 400 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy alone. And there are billions of galaxies. There are trillions upon trillions upon trillions upon trillions of stars. Numbers that go so high I can't even begin to, I don't even know the word to describe what the number is. Big ones, small ones, little ones, great big giant ones, some with planets. He was so concerned that his creation, no matter where we ever went, would never have any limitation that he created a universe that was bigger than we could ever even begin to explore if we had billions of years of lifespan to do it in. He created a universe that even what we can see with telescopes is like a tiny little fingernail clipping off of something. It's nothing compared to what even exists out there. Because he was so concerned that we would never have a limitation. We'll spend eternity exploring the creation that he made. And still not run out. Because he's concerned that we not ever be limited. There's unimaginable mysteries left to discover on this planet alone. Not not to mention what's out there. He is extravagant. So when he created something, he created more than we could ever possibly imagine, think, or conceive of. When he saved us, when he imparted the nature of Jesus Christ into us, it was an extravagant occurrence. It wasn't, well, now I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to spend the next five years really struggling with drugs. No, no. Doesn't mean we don't do that sometimes, but there was no limitation. Hey, there was never a limitation put on you. Now you're going to come and sit in a church pew and be good. And after a couple years, you get to teach a Sunday school class. There was no limitation like that placed on you. you anyone who's sitting here under the sound of my voice could rise up and see a million people saved in a year. If we took the limits off of God, if we really could understand how extravagantly powerful and great the nature of Jesus Christ was that he placed on the inside of us that broke off every limitation that this world ever tried to put on us. There's no limitations when we serve God. The limitations are when we don't. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He did not call us to a relationship with him to limit us. He called us to remove every limitation in our life. 
when Jesus came to earth, I guess about 2017 years ago now, humanity was only living in limitation. It had no, that's all it had. He tried us being unlimited. And you know what we did? We tried to build the Tower of Babel when we were unlimited. And he said, I have to put limitations on these people because if I don't put some limitations on them, then they're going to reach heaven. Now, this may sound weird, but I actually believe that in, during this time, during the Tower of Babel, that there were um, technologies that didn't exist today because Jesus wasn't concerned with a tower. You understand? He wasn't concerned about a tower. He was concerned about whatever humans were building that had the potential to, to breach into heaven and into the spirit realm. Otherwise, he wouldn't be concerned about us building a tower. I always wonder what the minds of those early people in Genesis were like because Adam named billions of insects, creatures, plants, everything that roamed. He named them all. They had mental capacity that we didn't have. And so Jesus was so concerned about us in our unlimited state that he put limitations on us. And he said, well, now I have a plan. I have a plan to restore my people into a right relationship with me and remove the limitations. That is, if they can take on my nature, Jesus, my son, if they can take on your nature and you can go, you're going to have to die. You're going to have to give your life. But if you, can, if you can go and you can redeem them through your death and they can take on your nature... And you would be the firstborn among many children of God. Then, then I'm going to give them a way to come into the spirit realm. I'm going to give them a way to come into the holy place. I'm going to give them a way to breach that layer in between the spirit and in the flesh. And it's going to be right and it's going to be holy. And they're going to become children of God. Hallelujah. In Romans 8.14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. We are children of God. And if children, then we are heirs. And if we're the heirs of God, we are joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Hallelujah. So, <laughs> I don't even know where to go from there. That's We have received the spirit of adoption when we are led by the Spirit of God. And so I have become an heir of God. And if I'm an heir, then I am also a joint heir with Christ. I get everything from Father that Jesus gets from Father, that Big Brother gets from Daddy. I get everything that He gets. What did Jesus get from Daddy? He got a relationship with Him that He can go and hear what God told him to do and get up and go do it and be so full of it. I preached it Wednesday night that he didn't even have to pray to raise Lazarus from the dead. He could just 
say, Lazarus, come forth. But he prayed so that everybody else would know that it was God and not him. Jesus was sin free. I know people say you've got to sin a little bit every day, but those people, they sin because they want to sin a little bit every day. I want to be holy because God said, be holy for I'm holy. And so I want to be holy. And so I don't believe that. I believe that I have had the nature of Jesus Christ imparted into me and I don't ever have to sin again. And if I do, it's because I made up my own mind to do it and I wanted to. But I don't have to. Never have to sin again. What else is Jesus an heir of? All the riches of heaven, healing, miracles, authority. In his name, you can cast out a devil, can heal the sick, raise the dead. Verse 18 of Romans 8 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Amen? Hallelujah. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. Because creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the liberty, freedom, limitlessness of the children of God. Who is the children of God? I am the children of God. What is this saying? This is saying that because we sin, creation was subjected to futility. And creation doesn't like being Subjected to futility. And so creation itself is yearning, groaning, waiting for the manifested sons of God to be revealed. That somewhere, somewhere there would be a human who recognizes I am a son of God. And I can begin to speak to creation that was created for me to rule and reign and have dominion over. And that Rule and reign and authority will be returned to me as a child of God. And creation is waiting for me to stand up and tell creation what to do. Hallelujah. That's why we talk about giving seeds in the altar. Because our money is nothing. It's nothing. When the Spirit of God that lives in me, the nature of Jesus Christ lives inside of me and I can speak to creation that's just sitting, waiting on a manifested Son of God to rise up and begin to speak authority, speak the Word of God over it and begin to tell it what to do. Hey, Abu Sunday. Cancer is nothing. I know it's a big scary word, but it's nothing. When... I speak to creation. Creation is waiting for a manifested Son of God to tell it what to do. Let's read a little bit more. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. 
what we're going through, the circumstances and trials that we're going through, he says it doesn't compare to the glory that's going to be revealed in me. Somebody say, what I'm going through does not compare to the glory that's going to be, that is going to be revealed in me. It's going to be revealed in me. Hallelujah. This scripture is not about weak little followers of Jesus. We see that who, who just barely are trying to get by. Just trying not to sin. That is not our lot. That is not why Jesus, he could have, we could have stayed under the Old Testament with that mess. Jesus was born for a purpose. It was to redeem us to our rightful place as heirs and children of God who have possessed the nature of God himself. It's not to struggle with sin, with failure, torment, and hope one day to get to heaven. He has recreated us into a new creature that He originally intended us to be that is made back in right standing with God. And because my heart is right with Him, the limitations are off. The limitations that scared Him, so He put, us, put them on us at the Tower of Babel, are off of us again. I can, I can get to God now. I can be as holy as God says I am. I can be as powerful as God says I am. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God and also makes intercession for us. If Jesus didn't spare his own son for you, for me, why wouldn't he give us everything else he has? He gave us his son. So, of course, he's going to give us everything else that he has. And if condemnation comes upon us, he says, who condemns? There's only one who judges and condemns. That's Jesus. And Jesus already paid the price that we would not be condemned. So who is going to condemn me? Nobody with any power to condemn condemns me because the one who condemns, the only one who condemns, has already said, you're good. You're a child of God. You are my nature. You have already taken on my nature, and so you are holy, and you are blessed, and you are righteous, and you are prosperous. Hallelujah. My God. If we get it, if we get it, we don't have to ever be condemned again. I don't ever have to think I'm not good enough for God. I don't have to leave and wonder, can I be saved or not? Can I really live this life or not? Or even do I want to? Because when I accept the nature of Jesus Christ on the inside of me, He becomes everything that God ever intended me to be. And He's already given me that. So of course He gives me freedom. Of course, he gives me deliverance. Of course, he sets me free from addiction and bondage. Of course, he will heal me. Of course, he'll provide for me. He already gave me his son. 
So what happens in us is that we receive the seed. The seed that Elder Robert was talking about. He said every seed reproduces after its own kind. So we receive the seed of Jesus. If you skip down a little bit more in chapter 8, it says, And as Isaiah said before, this may be in chapter 9, I didn't write the verse reference down, sorry. And as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of hosts had left us a seed, we would have become like Sodom and we would have been like Gomorrah. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have now attained to righteousness. That's me. Somebody say that's me. Even the righteousness of faith. But Israel pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. I'm going to put it in modern times. Some of us who never were satisfied with churchy, religious, rule-filled Christianity, and all the little nice churchy people would turn their noses up at us. You know. You know them. It says we wouldn't even pursue righteousness, but now we have obtained it. Hallelujah. Now I've obtained righteousness, but these ones who are trying to be righteous by the law, by religion and by legalism, they still have not obtained righteousness. But we, us Gentiles, heathens, have obtained righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have all obtained righteousness because I sought it through faith. Because I said, God, there is no way that this is going to work. There is no way. That there is anything good enough in me to ever be as good as all these people fill in the church pew. But I'm going to serve you. I want to give you my life. If you want to do something with it, you can have my life. I'm going to seek you by faith, God, because I believe what they say. I believe what your word says that I can be free and I need to be free so bad. I need to be free so bad. I need to see you move in my finances so bad. I need to see you moving my body so bad. I need to see you moving my marriage so bad. All these other people, they look like they never fight in their marriage. It looks like their kids are all growing up perfect. I don't know how to be those people, God. I just know how to be who I am. But God, I believe you. I believe you. And so I obtain righteousness. All these other people who have it all together, I don't know how they do it either. I don't know how, to, how they believe me. I, if I, I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them. If I don't see God in my home, my children, my children are wonderful. I'm not going to say anything about my kids. But I'll say my marriage goes to hell. We're not one of those people who have it all together. Our house is full of presents that are spilled out onto the floor right now. We're not people who have it all together. But I have to seek God so that I can have anything together. We end up in a mess. That's why there's no condemnation from me on anything that you do in your life. Anything.
because I don't have it figured out either. But I have the nature of Jesus because I believe him in faith. I believe that somewhere he's deposited something inside of me that if I can get that seed to grow a little bit more, it's going to begin to produce something that's worth something to somebody, maybe hopefully to him. Amen. I have obtained righteousness and you have obtained righteousness. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is so, he loves us so extravagantly that he didn't just put a little bit of faith in us to just be a little bit of Christian. He put as much faith in us as he built into the entire universe itself so that one little speck in the middle of floating around a relatively small, unimpressive star and a relatively small, unimpressive galaxy and a great big giant universe with much larger, more impressive galaxies and much larger, more impressive stars and much larger, more impressive planets. He picked us. He picked this place to put his children. He picked this place for his son who spoke all of those things into existence, who was so magnificently unlimited that he could speak, name every star, Speak them into existence. And he put him in a human form on this earth so that we, as insignificant, backwards, messed up as we are, could receive the nature of the one who created it all with a spoken word. Who could receive the power to speak the same words that God speaks over our lives and over our circumstances and over creation itself. And it would listen to us because it's not us speaking anymore. It's God to impart that supernatural ability into us. That's why he says if we follow him in the spirit, we have obtained righteousness. Somebody say, I have obtained righteousness. I have already obtained righteousness. Sage, you have already obtained righteousness. Already obtained all the righteousness you need to bust the gates of heaven wide open. Amen. He is limitless, and so I am limitless. The limits have been removed. Father, we give you praise today, God, in the name of Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this message from Freedom Ministries. For more information and to stay connected with us, find us on Facebook or the web at freedomministriescrossing.com.